Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And these last words of the Lord Jesus before he, he died, before he died, it starts in John 13 with a statement. In John 13, 1, John 13, 1, now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. So what does that show? It shows us that the Lord Jesus, that what the Lord Jesus had to say to his disciples before he died was motivated by love, was motivated by love. Then, In the next chapter, chapter 14, John chapter 14, he plants a hope in his disciples, a hope that's supposed to displace fear in the future. As he says in John 14, 1, John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So that hope that he was putting into their minds was that the Lord Jesus was going to prepare an individual dwelling place that was suited for each one of his disciples. He also studied and knew the predominant dispositions, and he says, I'm going to make a place just just for you. For for David, there's going to be a lot of work. There will be a big work garage there, I guess. I don't know. And they were to think about that and, and not let their hearts be troubled. And then in the 15th chapter of John, he told them, I want you to remember the secret of your success. You'll do fine if you remember this, John 15, 1. If you remember that I am the true vine and my father is a husbandman. So he exhorted them to remember the dependence of the branch on the vine. And they were the branch. They were the branches. And he was the vine. And then in the next chapter, chapter 16, again, he, he gives them another reason why he was telling them all these things before he died. In John 16, 1, he said, these things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended, John 16, 1. So he knew hard times are coming for his disciples. He wanted them to hold on to his words so that they wouldn't be offended. And then finally in chapter 17, when we get to 18, it all starts, the arrest and so forth. But in chapter 17, John 17, 1, here he is giving, he's turning from them, but within earshot so that they can hear him as he gives his final report to the Father. And in John 17, 1, he said, these words spake Jesus, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. And then he goes through a whole thing in John, in John 17 that they can all hear. So that's the loving father. Okay, this is the loving father now, Jacob, who is speaking to his sons. He's chosen very significant terms to refer to his sons and to refer to himself in verse two. 
What title did Jacob choose for calling his sons in verse 2? It's not a hard question. It's written there, verse 2. Sons of Jacob, that's it. Sons of Jacob, okay. What title did Jacob choose for calling himself in verse 2? Israel, Israel, okay. Now, those terms are very significant, very significant, because he calls his sons, you sons of Jacob. Jacob. Jacob was the name given to Jacob at his birth, obviously, okay. Was the name given to his birth? Was his name given to him before he was a saved man? Jacob was the, was the name that God told Jacob he never wanted to use that name anymore. God said, I've had enough of that name. I don't want to hear it, use it anymore. In Genesis 32, 28, Genesis 32, 28, he said, God said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. And later, God repeated that to Jacob. They didn't want to call him anymore Jacob. In Genesis 35, 10, Genesis 35, 10, God said unto him, thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called anymore Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. So Jacob is the name of the man that represents the self-willed man as opposed to the name that God wanted to use, which was Israel, that Jacob got when God put Jacob's hip out of joint. So Israel is the name of the man with the broken self-will. Jacob was the name of the man that represented the man who holds God back and puts his hand in God's chest when God's trying to get close, he puts his hand in his chest to keep God from becoming too controlling of his life. In Genesis 28, 20, Genesis 28, 20, it says, Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. So Jacob is the name of the man who does not have the Lord as his God. So whereas Israel is the name of the man who has made the Lord his God. Jacob is the name of the man who makes his own decisions in life without any guidance from God. Jacob sings Frank Sinatra's song, I Did It My Way. Whereas Israel is the name of the man who looks to God for decisions in life, Israel sings the song, I Did It God's Way. So Jacob is the name of the man who pushes God back from being too controlling, whereas Israel is the name of the man who sings words of him like, have thine own way, Lord, and I surrender all, and trust and obey. Jacob is just this, Jacob is the name of the stubborn man. Israel is the name of the yielded man. So knowing these differences between these two names of Jacob and Israel Jacob looks over his sons and asks himself the question, let's see now, as he looks them all over, which name best fits my sons, Jacob or Israel? Hmm, what shall I call my sons, sons of Jacob or sons of Israel? Well, you know, there's there's no hesitation on Jacob's part. He makes a decision in verse two. He says, ye sons of Jacob, that's it. And now Jacob has a second question, second question to make, and that is, who's gonna speak now? Who's going to speak to the sons? Will it be Jacob speaking or will it be Israel speaking? Will it be unsaved Jacob or saved Israel that's now going to speak to his sons? Is it going to be the self-willed, I did it my way, Jacob, or is it going to be the broken will, I did it God's way, Israel, that's going to now speak to his sons? Is it going to be the, is, is it going to be the push God back 
Jacob, or is it going to be the I surrender all Israel that's going to speak to his sons? So he decides it's going to be Israel that's going to speak to his sons. Now, these two carefully made decisions of the terms here are reflected when Jacob says in verse 2, hear ye sons of Jacob and hearken unto Israel your father. So verse 2, that's what makes verse 2 so dramatic. It's such a dramatic illustration for us of the two natures that are in every believer. We have the old Jacob nature and we have the new Israel nature. And that's what's being referred to in 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The new creature has the name of Israel. The old has the name of Jacob. Galatians 5.16, Galatians 5.16 say, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Israel walks in the spirit, Jacob fulfills the lust of the flesh. And when Paul says in Romans 7.23, Romans 7.23, I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. The law of the mind comes from Israel and the law of sin comes from Jacob. Now, the fact in verse two that the same person is both named Jacob in Israel, shows us that as we as believers, we have these two natures that are against each other. And the fact that Jacob calls his sons, ye sons of Jacob, and then calls himself Israel your father, shows us that Jacob wanted to be able to say, ye sons of Israel. He wanted that, and it shows us that all his sons could, they could all claim by virtue of their birth that they were sons of Jacob. That's what he called them. But it shows that just because you were born sons of Jacob did not make you sons of Israel. And this distinction between that Jacob is making here, between the sons of Jacob and the sons of Israel is exactly the same distinction that the Lord Jesus made when he was really going at it with the Jewish leaders who opposed him in John 8, John 8, 33. In John 8, 33, they said, we be Abraham's seed. We are, that's what they said. And we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou that you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak with that which I have seen with my father. You do that which you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith to him, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Now, he says in John 8, 37, John 8, 37, I know that you are Abraham's seed. He's saying to them, I know that you are the sons of Jacob. I know you are the sons of Jacob. But then he goes on in verse 39, John 8, 39, 8, 39, and he says, if you were Abraham's children. So he's saying, you're not the sons of Israel. You are the sons of Jacob. You are not the sons of Israel. Now, that important distinction between sons of Jacob and sons of Jacob and sons of Israel is exactly the same distinction that Paul was meaning when he said in Romans 9, 6, Romans 9, 6, not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Sounds like double talk. But what he's saying there is that they're not all sons of Israel that are sons of Jacob. And this is the distinction 
between the sons of the unsaved Jacob and the sons of the saved Israel? And this answers the question. The question, are all Jews automatically saved just because they are born Jews? They are physically the seed of Abraham, as the rabbis say? And the answer is no. All Jews are born sons of Jacob and not saved, and they need to become sons of Israel by becoming saved. And so this is what Jacob is emphasizing to his sons when he says in verse two, you sons of Jacob, and he calls himself Israel, your father. He's telling his sons that, look, you're living like, like I did before I was saved, when I was Jacob, until Genesis 32, and I got the new name of Israel. So he's telling his sons that you're living like the old man, like Jacob, under the power of the flesh. You need to become Israel. You need to become sons of Israel, your father. So when Jacob uses these two terms in verse two, sons of Jacob, calls himself Israel, their father, he's challenging them. He's challenging them. Go, he's saying to his sons, go from living under your original fallen nature to living under the redeemed nature of grace. He's saying to them, go, go from living under your natural feelings. And the first son he's gonna come to is Reuben and that's gonna hit him. But anyway, Go from living under your natural feelings to living under the daily guidance of God. That's what he's saying to them. So Jacob said to his boys, because he saw all their brute energy and just breaking out into selfishness and, and fulfillment of lust, and he's challenging the boys, bring your brute energy under the control of God. Now, what does he say twice? What does Jacob say twice in verse two? What does he say? Two times he says the same thing. What is it? Yes. It's here, here, here and hearken, right. Okay, it says here and hearken, okay. Hearken has the word here in it. Anyway, <laughs> actually, in Hebrew, the same word is used twice, which is the famous word. What is that famous word? The famous word for here. What is that, Irene? That's right, Shema. So it says, it says that, Shema, Shema. So it's, it's used twice. But the translators didn't want to use the word here twice. I don't know why they didn't want to use it. If they would have asked me, I would have told them to use it twice, but they didn't ask me, so what can I say? But the Hebrew in verse 2 reads, Hear, sons of Jacob, and hear, Israel, your father. None of the translations were true to the Hebrew. They all, none of the translations use here twice. That's why they should have asked me, but they didn't. I mean, some of them, like the NIV or like the version that's in Italian, Escolte, they, they will use the word uh, listen twice, but they, but, but they don't use the word hear. They use the word listen. Now, there is a difference, isn't there, between hear and listen. What's the difference? What's the difference between listen and hear? When you hear, <laughs> right? Okay, that's good. Right, to listen is to understand what's said. You know, it's to collect the information, it's to make sure that you get educated on the subject. You know, when you're in a classroom, you listen to the instructor, or you hopefully listen to the instructor. I don't know, are you listening? Anyway, you listen to the instructor. You know, the subject may be communism. So in the class, you listen so that you can understand what communism is. But when you hear that's different, because to hear has within its meaning, as Diane said, and it said, response, response. So when you listen in a class, 
that's teaching you about communism, you're going to come out, you're going to come out of that class with a knowledge about communism when you listen. But when you hear in a class about communism, you're going to come out a communist. (laughs) And, and, and that's the foundation of the Hebrew word Shema, of, uh, to hear. Shema means to respond, to incorporate. It means listen with the intention of obeying. And this is the, the famous Shema is in Deuteronomy 6.4. Is Deuteronomy 6.4. The only problem with the Shema is that nobody ever quotes anything other than hear. <laughs> but they don't, they never quote what you're supposed to hear. It's just all, it's always Shema Yisrael. It's actually Yahweh Eloheinu. Uh, Yahweh Echad, that's how it reads. But they say Adonai, Shema Yisrael Adonai, Eloheinu Adonai Echad. I don't know why they say Adonai. Again, they didn't ask me, so what can I say? That's the way it is. Anyway, Deuteronomy 6.4, it's, that's the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's all they quote. But that's what comes afterward. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. When thou walkest by thy way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, shall bind them for a sign upon thine hand. They shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts, the mezuzot, mezuzah, the posts of thy house and on thy gates. So what's God saying here? What God is saying in the Shema is that it's not just to listen to improve your theological understanding of the oneness of God, but it's to go much deeper than that. The meat of the matter that transforms a listening to a hearing is what comes afterward. And the key verse in that is Deuteronomy 6.6, Deuteronomy 6.6, which says, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. That's what sets hearing different from just listening. Hearing the words go deep in the heart. That's what uh, David meant when he said in Psalm 119.11, Psalm 119.11, thy words have I hid in my heart. He didn't say thy words have I listened to with my ears. He said thy words have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. This was the crowning thing about Mary, the mother of the Lord. Mary when it says in Luke 2.19, Luke 2.19, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So to hear is to respond, and that's what brings life. Listening to the Bible doesn't bring life, but hearing and responding does. It reminds me of a person who was working on my house one time, and he saw my Bible. He picked it up, and he said, oh, he said, I, I don't know the Bible, and it really fascinates me. I want to learn what it says and, and, and then he was quick to say, I, I don't want it to change my life. I don't, want it, I don't want anything like that. I just want to know what it says. Well, what he's saying is that he wanted to listen to the Bible. He didn't want to hear the Bible. Because the message of the Bible is Proverbs 23.26. Proverbs 23.26. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. So to just listen to the Bible without hearing the Bible is, is like listening to God without hearing God. And that has the danger uh, th- th- that has the danger of, of, of being cast into hell. That's the difference between listening and hearing. That makes the difference between those who go to heaven and those who are cast into hell. And that, that was the whole thing about the wise man built his house on the rock and the sand in Matthew 7.21, Matthew 7.21. 
when the Lord said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Thy name cast out devils. Thy name done many wonderful works. Then I'll profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat upon that house, it fell not. It was founded on a rock. Everyone that, uh, it says heareth, but okay, think about listening. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, which is what listening is, shall be like, I mean, that's the way I define it. I don't know why they didn't get on the same page as me, but it doesn't matter. And doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the sand descended, sorry, the rain descended, floods came, winds blew, beat upon the house, it fell. Great was the fall. Came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings that people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So this is what Jacob is saying to his sons. Don't let my words just strike the surface of your eardrums and go no further, but let them penetrate into your souls, penetrate into you. He's saying, boys, let my words sink deep into your hearts and your souls and move you to action. And when you look at the book of Proverbs, this is the whole thrust of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is, is, is all about a loving, a letter from a loving father to his children. That's the book of Proverbs. That's why it says in Proverbs 4.1, Proverbs 4.1, hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. And in Proverbs 5.7, Proverbs 5.7, hear me now therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us, Lord, to see and hear Jacob as you filled him with your spirit and gave him the words to speak here and help us to learn as we hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, 
Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 